Good evening. It is good to see each of you. Again, if you're visiting, we welcome you. It is good to have you. If you would be opening your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. We'll look at three or four different passages tonight about a very important topic. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter is where we'll begin. What a wonderful day we've had here at Mount Juliet. The baptism this morning and two additional elders installed. It's a wonderful day. Eternal difference, no doubt, has been made today. And let's continue to do everything that we can do. The opportunities God gives us, the abilities God gives us, let's use them uh, to make a difference in eternity for our life and for those that are about us also. Be looking for someone you can encourage this week. Speak a good word for Jesus. Invite them to come and be a part of a worship service or a Bible class. What greater invitation could we ever offer to someone else? Tonight we talk about a wonderful topic. It's a topic that God designed it, God instituted it, God planned it. And God tells not only about the office of elder, but God even tells about our responsibility to the office of elder. When we think about the office of elder, it's the highest office that's in the land. In other words, the office of president wouldn't nearly be as responsible as that of being an elder. And so we look at that and we could study for a while about that responsibility and about the descriptions that God gives of that office and about the qualifications of the men that would fulfill that office. And oftentimes we do that and that's a good study. But you know, God in His design of the church also gave responsibility to the church in relation to that of elders. Tonight I want to spend some time of thinking about what does God expect of us? We have two new elders. What does God expect our responsibility to be in relation to these men and to all of our elders and to their family? As we begin, I was thinking this afternoon about how when I think about elders, honestly, there's always just such a good feeling that goes through my body. All of my life, I've been very close to elders. When I was born, my grandfather was an elder. While I was in high school, my father became an elder. Of course, being in full-time ministry uh, from about the age 24 and on, I've worked closely with elders. Some of the, my dearest friends on this earth have been elders. And so it's easy for me to immediately think very positive thoughts when I think about elders. But the thing that stood out as interesting to me this afternoon when, when I just was thinking about that was, you know, the time that I probably became the most aware of how important elders really are, was when we lived two years on Long Island, New York, and worshipped in a church that didn't have elders. That's when my eyes were open. I see some of you nodding your head. You've been there. You want to appreciate elders? Don't wait until you don't have any. Appreciate them now. And if you ever live at a place that has a congregation that doesn't have elders and you have to go into church meetings or men's meetings or however they've decided to conduct the business of the church, it's a real struggle. It's a real challenge. Tonight, it's not that you and I have to sit down and come up with some way to respect elders and etc. God tells us. We don't have to guess at what our responsibilities are. God lays it out real clear and it's such a beautiful study. If you would look with me, we're going to read in 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter. And notice what he says in verse 12 and 13. Paul, of course, writing to the church of Thessalonica, a church that he loves dearly, a church that has helped him on mission work and etc. And so now he writes to them near the end of this first letter and he says, 
We urge you. There's something that he wants to strongly convey to them. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. Now notice as he urges us to recognize, some of your translations probably say to know them. Listen, it's a great responsibility of elders to know the church. We see the great shepherd in John the 10th chapter that the the sheep hear and they know his voice, but he also knows the sheep. And we know that one of the great analogies that helps us to understand what God expects elders to be is that of a shepherd. And so no doubt it's important for elders to know the sheep. But this verse didn't say that, did it? You see, tonight we're talking about our responsibility. This verse says it's your responsibility to know the elders. And so if there's someone here that says, Wow, I I, I really don't know our elders. God's speaking to you tonight through His Word. You need to make sure that you know these men. They care for your soul. They have a huge responsibility, but it's not a one-lane street. You have a huge responsibility. You have children that have left home. You wonder how faithful they are. Ask the elder. Ask an elder where they attend about your children. You'll find out whether or not they're faithful. People that are faithful know their elders. And the elders know them. You can tell a lot about a person, about their spirituality, based upon what they can tell you about their elders. Friends, we're fooling ourselves if we want to blame our elders for us not knowing them. God places that burden on our shoulders. We need to take advantage of a wonderful opportunity God's given us. And we need to make sure that we hold up our end of the responsibility Now, it's wonderful. We have opportunities every week to get to know them. Almost all of them come early to services, and they're some of the last ones to leave. Of course, they're in all the Bible classes, teaching many of them. You have opportunities to sit beside them and study the Word of God. They're involved in outreach programs that meet every Sunday. If you're a newcomer, you've sat down with them, and and you've talked with them about placing your fellowship here. You've been invited to newcomers luncheons where today three elders sat among several new members and visited with them for a good while. Almost anything that happens in the life of this church, you can look around and one or more of the elders are there. If you go on a mission trip that's a week long, odds are very good. You're going to be with at least one elder, if not five, six, or seven of them. Some of our mission trips are more than two weeks long, and there are always elders on those trips. We could go on and on for the whole length of our time talking about the opportunities that we have every week, every month, every year to know our elders. Now, let's just be honest. If I don't know my elders, it's not their fault. I also need to not only know them, but I need to know what God wants them to do for me. Did you notice there as we look at verse 12? He says, to recognize those who labor among you 
You see, that's the idea of living among us. God wants them to not have an attitude of a hierarchy, that they're better, that they're greater, that they're more important. God wants them to be our our brothers in Christ, that they live among us, they live among us, they serve among us. And notice also, secondly, says, that are over you. That's God's plan. God's plan is for them to have the rule over us. And that implies that we need to submit to them. And we'll see that in just a moment in a passage that we saw even earlier today. But then notice he says, and admonishes you. The idea of admonishing is also the idea of placing into mind. It's the idea that involves correction from time to time. And it also is the idea that is a warning. And so we see this, he says, that admonishes you, that that warns you. Are you one that's easily warned or are you one that takes great offense and, and you won't ever forget someone if, if they try to help you with maybe a problem that you're having or try to warn you about a dangerous area that you're going? Friends, if a man is going to be God's elder, this is something he has to do to fulfill his responsibility. So then the question is, what's our response to that? Our response ought to be appreciation. Our response ought to be correction. Our response ought to be uh, great respect that they're willing to do their job. Now, how do we look at all of this? As we think about our response, notice verse 13. Our response ought to be to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And so this estimation is that we greatly appreciate them. We honor them. Not because they're our peers, they're our best friends, we live on the same street, we worked in the same line of work, uh, we're relatives down the line. He doesn't give any of those reasons. He says, you esteem them in love for their work's sake. I want to ask you something. Can you say in your mind, I love elders? You don't have to know a particular elder. Can that be a true statement? I love elders. Friends, where would the church be without elders? Think of all the struggling and weak congregations that would be in existence tomorrow if every elder in the Lord's church resigned tonight. You know, I've noticed something. And I don't know if this is a good parallel, but as I studied this, I could not help but think about this. You know, as a minister, as a preacher... You can go in to hold a gospel meeting in a church that you've never been in before. By the end of the first day, you'll always find one or two people that just love preachers. They don't know you. But for whatever reason, they love the fact that you're a person that's dedicated your life to preaching the Word of God. And I've just noticed a lot of the time it's some of your oldest ladies in the congregation. They love the Lord. They love the lost. And they love individuals that's given their life for that. When I thought about that, then I wonder, how many of us have a description like that of elders? That's what he says to do here. He he did not say here in this verse, I want you to pick out one or two of your favorite elders you've ever had, and I want you to love them and esteem them highly because they were your favorite elders. He didn't say that. He's talking about elders in general. And he says, I want you to love them. I want you to esteem them in love for their work's sake. 
Friends, as I grow and mature in my relationship with God, I ought to literally come to the point that I could say, you know, there's elders all over this land. I don't know them and I won't ever meet them. But I love them for the work they do. Because they're giving their life to serving the kingdom. I love the Lord. I love His kingdom. And I love those elders that are willing to do that. You see, when we move to that estimation of appreciation for the office itself, it's going to help us with that final line here where he says, Be at peace among yourselves. That brings about a whole new respect, a whole new appreciation. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but it's a lot easier to get along with people that you love and respect, isn't it? What a blessing it'd be that if I could have that attitude and relationship with elders. The next two slides, we're going to see them very quickly. The point that we're trying to make here is that 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, I want you to know elders. Maybe it would help us appreciate the office itself if we just think of some of the responsibilities that God's given them. Let's look at some nouns and then let's look at some verbs that he ties in to the office of elder. And as we do this, again, the goal is just so we will appreciate these men even more. Here's some nouns that's used in the New Testament. First Timothy 3rd chapter and verse 2, he uses noun bishop. The idea of bishop comes from the idea of supervisor. In other words, someone's taking on the responsibility to say, I'll be in charge. There's a lot that has to be handled, a lot that has to be organized, a lot that has to be looked over. When things go wrong, we'll take the blame for things going wrong. And we'll do our best to make sure that things go right and help people in the right direction. That's the mindset of a bishop. Notice in Titus 1 and 5, it's the term elder that we use probably the most common. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, this points to the fact of the older men that were wise and had respect. That's kind of just the immediate mindset that comes from the word elder. When we look at the word a pastor in Ephesians 4 and 11. The word pastor is also and can be translated shepherd. Now that's the analogy that is the analogy that's used in the scriptures. And we'd have to say if we're going to pick just one analogy, it's probably the best analogy that could be used. Because the shepherd is one that cares for the sheep in every way. He provides the, the nutrition and the, the food and the water, the pasture, the shade and the heat in the middle of the day. He's the one that has his eyes open on the edge of the field, making sure that there's no enemies that's going to come in and endanger the lives of the sheep. A shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We see also in Titus first chapter and verse 7 that he's giving what is the list of qualifications. But as he speaks of blameless, he says blameless as a steward of God. In other words, he describes an elder here and says that an elder is going to be one that's a steward of God. You know, frequently I, I speak to elders and deacons. Uh, just yesterday I had the opportunity again in, in another town. And there's something that our elders have taught me that I try to convey every opportunity that I have. And, and in that, I shared with them, it's not our church. This is the Lord's church. And our elders are simply stewards of it. They don't get to make calls based on what they want. It's what the Lord wants. And these men will live and they'll serve in this capacity for X number of years. And that stewardship will be handed over to another group and to another group and to another group until the Lord comes again. And if every group of men have been faithful stewards, you'll see a faithful church there. 
But if those men begin to drop the ball, if they become arrogant, if they are negligent, if they are abusive with their powers, and you could go on and on with whatever it is, but what's going to happen is that in that particular location, the Lord's church is going to hurt. It's going to be damaged. And so we see the huge responsibility that they have to be good stewards. Look at some verbs here. Some verbs out of Acts 20 and 28 is they are to feed the church. Out of Acts 20 and 31, they're to watch. In other words, that's the idea of the guarding for the church. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we've already seen to labor, to be an overseer and to admonish. In 1 Timothy 3 and 5, they are to be the ones that take care of the church. That not only deals with responsibility, but it also deals with a tenderness of heart. They care for the church. It's not just a job. It's not just a responsibility. I hear our elders say from time to time, that broke my heart. They care for our souls. Notice in Titus 1 and 9, we see three descriptions. One is to hold fast to the faith. Not let go. Be faithful stewards. Hold fast but then also to be able to exhort and convince those that are false teachers. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and verse 17, we see that elders have the responsibility one day to give an account for the job that they have done and looking over the souls. And then also 1 Peter 5 and 3, we see they have the... Now, you look at that list above, all of those things, and then we come to 1 Peter 5 and 3 where he says, Now, don't lord over the church. In other words, they have all this responsibility, and they can't do it with an iron fist. You're going to do it this way. We're responsible, and and you guys are going to make our job easy. Everybody toe the line. Let's go. It doesn't work that way. We're dealing with lives. And the leadership is through example. The leadership is through tenderness. The leadership out of John the 13th chapter is through putting on the towel and washing the feet. It's a Jesus style of leadership. With these in mind, let's look at just a couple of other passages. Look with me, if you will, to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. We'll spend less time on this because we spent some time this morning on this. But still, as we consider, what, what's our responsibility? We've just looked at the nouns and verbs that, that are used to describe the elder in hopes that we will esteem them highly for their work's sake. When men carry out those particular responsibilities, we ought to love and esteem them highly for their work's sake. But now notice how... We not only should know them, but we also need to obey them. In the 17th verse of Hebrews 13, he says, Obey those who rule over you. Now, that's pretty simple to understand. But if we need to hear it again, using just a little bit different wording, let's read the next phrase. And be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. See, he's teaching the same thing twice. He just wants to make sure we get it. Hey, The Lord's saying, I've organized the church. This is the structure I want in place. Elders are going to rule over. Elders are going to oversee. I want you to obey them. I want you to be submissive to them. And again, we go back to the beauty of why that is. Notice again, it's because they watch out for your souls. Picture, if you will, a a little toddler riding their tricycle in a driveway. And a father is out in the yard and he sees for some unknown reason a car that's a stranger to him but quickly whips into his driveway. And and his, his child is there, a toddler on a tricycle. And he immediately turns to his child and he says, pedal off the driveway, go, go. 
And the child never sees the car. The child just hears their dad and, and he begins to quickly pedal and he gets off the grass. Why does that child do that? Submissive, obedient. But why did the father ask it? The father asked that to be done because he was watching out for a child that he cared for that was in danger. Friends, by God's design, elders are supposed to carry about a wisdom and a knowledge of the Scriptures and a watchfulness that we ought to be willing to listen and obey because they're caring for our soul. They want to make it to heaven and they want to make it to heaven with us, watching out for our soul. And then you know the rest of that verse we talked about this morning. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that'd be unprofitable for you. Let's make sure that every one of us determines that we want to do our part of bringing joy to their lives as people that look over our souls. Look with me, if you will, to First Timothy, the fifth chapter. 1 Timothy 5th chapter, not only should we know our elders, not only should we obey our elders, but also we should give double honor to our elders. Notice in 1 Timothy 5 and 17, let the elders who rule well, now that's an interesting thought, not all elders will rule well. What a shame it is to to be uh, negligent towards the church or to abuse the power, what a shame that would be. But to those that rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. And then he gives an explanation, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, or the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now there's always a little bit of debate about exactly what what was he trying to teach here. Number one, we know that every elder, every elder deserves honor. Every elder that has, has served well deserves honor. But then... When he speaks of the double honor, he seems to be pointing to the fact that if there's an elder that gives his life fully, his time fully, it's all right to pay him. Oftentimes the question comes up, would would it be right to pay an elder? And this is the passage we'd have to go to and say, that seems to be the principle that's being taught here. That'd be the double honor. He deserves honor just because he does the job. But a double honor would include the salary if, in fact, he's out there doing the work. Don't muzzle the ox. But every, every elder that does well deserves the honor. And that comes from you and I. Now let's look at the final thing. It's down just the very next verse. Look at verse 19. In verse 19, he says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. God has given you and I the responsibility to defend our elders. I'm not saying defend them if they're wrong. They're human. They're going to make mistakes. But friends, it shouldn't be our life to gossip, to backbite, to stab in the back, to work behind their back, to try to undermine or discredit them. Our job is to make sure that if there's accusations brought up against the elders, we're the ones that immediately puts it to bed. I'm not having any part of that conversation. 
I remember one time, not here, there was a lady that called to make an appointment to come by the office. She stirred up some trouble in several churches she'd been a part of. And it was usually against the preacher or the elders. So I thought this time it was against me. So we went into the meeting and she began to talk. My practice is usually I just let people talk it through. I may not say anything 15, 20 minutes, but whenever they're through talking, then we'll converse. You know, I interrupted her though. She didn't come that day to attack the preacher. She came that day to attack the elders. When she got out about her third sentence, I realized that's where we were going. And I said, you can stop right there. I said, I can't be a part of this conversation. Sounds like to me, you want to talk to the elders. You need to get you a few witnesses together and you need to go talk with them. But we will not have this conversation. Friends, I'm not saying that to say to you, well, David's got it figured out. I'm saying to you, that's what the Word of God tells us to do. God doesn't intend for His church to be gossiping about her leaders. Let's make sure that we realize that just as the elders have great responsibility, we also have great responsibility. So we need to ask ourselves, do we know our elders? Do we obey our elders? Do we offer honor and even double honor to our elders? And are we always willing to defend our elders? Friends, I'm not upholding the responsibility God's given me if I can't say yes to all of those. Tonight, let's make sure that we love God's plan. Tonight, let's make sure that we've obeyed all that God's asked us to. If you're not saved, why not? There's not a good reason to not be saved. If you've never been baptized into Christ, why don't you do that tonight? If you have been faithful but yet have fallen away, why don't you come back home tonight? There's a church family here that is full of love and peace and joy. It's not because we figured it out. It's because we've obeyed it. God is good. God blesses us when we follow His will. Tonight, that's what we want to do as a church family. That's what we're asking everyone here to do individually and collectively. Let's just go back to God. Nothing more, nothing less. If we can help you in any way, 